that so many, I think, individual practitioners have of, um, and I'll just use my situation, you know, here, I'm a one-man show, I'm the only acupuncturist for 30 miles. There is a small hospital here that's affiliated with a bigger hospital up in Rochester. Welcome to CMTW Podcast. Today we have Ryan Diner. He has a multidisciplinary clinic in Maryland. Some people may know Ryan from past podcasts that we've done. Uh, we, we had you on uh, a couple of them, and we had people on that had practice questions, uh, different things they were going through. One, one guest we had was looking to hire someone, which is relevant to today. We'll talk more about that. Um, so people may know you from past podcasts, Ryan, which is awesome. Um, but you're a multidisciplinary clinic, seven acupuncturists, three massage therapists, a nutritionist, uh, Qigong, detox programs. You do a lot over there. Uh, big clinic, and you, you, uh, you've given advice. You've con- you know, people have consulted with you. Well, again, we've had you on to talk about practice management stuff, and uh, I think the show is going to be awesome because we were just talking, all three of us, a little bit before the show, and uh, I'm really excited to, to go over this stuff. It's, really really going to um uh to me be interesting i say that every show um but i'm really excited this is going to be fun and we have michelle michelle peterson on she she um has a practice in in uh, new york state and kind of is facing what a lot of people are and and michelle again your your situation is a little more uh, unique in some ways you dedicated a lot of your time in life to working for uh, the acupuncture society for about nine years Right. And that took a lot of uh, effort, and uh, I, you know, I don't know if we're, we'll get it on uh, the podcast before I said it, so I'll say it again. I just wanted to thank you for doing that because that's a lot of uh, work dealing with policy and politics and relationships and people, and uh, so that's where you're at. You're now in a that's where you were at. You're yeah. now in a situation where you're looking to grow your practice, right? And you're kind of in in the same boat that a lot of people are, where they're like, okay, how do I get to the next level? What am I doing? What am I not doing? What do I need to change? And, you know, I, I wish, if you could just please give us a quick synopsis on where you're at with the clinic, and then maybe Ryan could hop in and, and we could start talking about this, and this will kind of morph into the larger discussion today of... Uh, of working and getting the most out of this field with the, with the, what we're facing today. Sure. Um, yeah. So when I graduated in 2010, I started right out kind of doing my little dream um, right away. I, I'm in a re- I live in a really small rural town in Naples, New York, and it, and I just hung a shingle and and started to go. And the the, the town was very supportive, but it, mm. it's small, you know. Mm. I mean, we don't have a stoplight, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, I I think I kind of topped out at about year six with about as many people as I could get into my schedule um, that the, that, you know, could walk through the door. Um, And I've just been kind of plateaued since then. And, and, you know, like you said, a lot of my time and focus has been on volunteering and, and I I just haven't put in the proper attention, I think, to growing my practice. Um, I recently just moved to the next town over that happens to be four times bigger. (laughs) Oh, it has a streetlight? Yeah, to Dansville. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, there's there's a few street lights. <laughs> there's oh, even damn. a hospital. <laughs> That's the city. Now you're in urban. <laughs> I know, areas, right? It's, it's a little city, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, so I I started growing right away, um, and but I, I it's, you know I just don't like have. I don't have my systems in place, so I haven't advertised at all. I haven't, I haven't really kind of jumped in because I, I feel like I'm just not. I, I feel like I'm starting all over. You know, mm. I don't. I don't even have a name that, that I um, have decided on to put on. You know, printed material yet. So, um, it, Michelle, I'm sorry. Is the town further, uh, far enough away that you've lost patients, or are they following you over there? So many of them followed me over, and I would say a lot of the people that were coming to me in Naples came from this area. So okay. I, I don't really think I lost a lot at all. I'm, I, you know, I'm seeing 25 to 30 people a week, um, so it's it's very moderate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I am in a situation. I, there's a massage therapist here with me now. There's a chiropractor who has been practicing down the road for. Um, the last 20 years, and he's, he's going to be moving into our building too. So I'm going to be into this integrated system, you know, integrated setting now, mm. uh, still with my own, you know, my own individual business, but um, it's just going to be a lot more people walking through the door. So, Ryan, let me ask Ryan, does size matter in the <laughs> when speaking about the city? I mean, <laughs> does, does size matter? I mean, can you get too rural that it could affect your your practice or not necessarily i think uh it's a it's a really good question i think the i think the the assumption um is that you can get too rural to affect your 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 practice um in reality from everything that i have seen and i moved to a relative just just for context i also moved to a relatively rural town so so this is just to mirror kind of what Michelle was saying with her experience. I was living just outside of D.C. and had started a practice there. And, you know, as you would imagine, you think, okay, well, this is a big city. There's tons of people, a lot of people with, with plenty of money that can afford acupuncture. You know, you, all, the, the origin, all the thoughts that go through your head as a practitioner when you're starting and trying to figure out, okay, where's the best place to be, and you know, et cetera. And then a friend of mine talked me into driving about 45 minutes north of D.C. Um, into a farm town that when I played Little League when I was a kid, we traveled to this town and these kids were like chewing tobacco at 13 years old, working on a farm. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was totally exactly what you would expect for, for a rural town. And I said, I'm not going up there. There's no way any of those people want acupuncture we're going to be crazies up there you know this was back in 2004 mm-hmm. and um and i said uh so anyway he convinced me to come up here and basically i just fell in love with the town you could see that it was shifting you could see that it was a rural town but it was you know younger people were moving here because it was you know more affordable than living in a big city and all the, you know some of the things that i'm sure that you know you're experiencing michelle with where you are um, and so, you know, what I found in my experience anyway, was that within a year and a half, I closed the DC practice and just came completely up to, to this little town, you know, 45 minutes to an hour north of the city, because it was building so much faster 
and there was so many less barriers to entry mm. because people were craving it and had nowhere to go. And so what I have found, and in talking to other people in the field who we've seen at some of the, you know, continuing ed seminars and, some, you know, some of those kinds of um, just general, you know, state board association meetings, things like that, most people, uh, there are a few people that are really thriving in, in big cities. They tend to be super type A, really, really strong go-getters, people that have kind of crazy energy and, you know, who you expect to be really business oriented. And then you have the rest of the field that typically often struggles in big cities. And almost everybody that I talk to that is outside of a big city is crushing it, is doing really, really well. And so to answer your question as to whether size matters, I actually think it's the inverse relationship right now. That doesn't mean it will always be that way, mm. but I think that you, you, if you go to a smaller town, your speed of growth is going to be much higher than if you go to a bigger city where there's more money and more people because there's just also more competition, more established businesses. Um, and, and so this has been my experience and, and just from anecdotally talking to a lot of people uh, when we see them. So I don't, I don't think it matters at all. If anything, I think you're actually at an, at an advantage when you go to a smaller town and you have fewer people that are drawing from and you can create those kind of community-based relationships and you can go into your local bank and you can talk to somebody that can that has reached to people who are in county government and things like that. You just have a, a faster entry point into the professional side of business and medicine than you would being a really small fish in a big pond in a big city. So, Michelle, what are your top three areas that you are struggling with the most or having, you know, either like a mental block or whatever the case may be? Yeah. And, Ryan, what are the top three things that you think, and I'm just curious to see how these merge together. They, they may or they may not. But, and, Ryan, after Michelle um, talks about those, maybe you can say what are the top three things that you would focus on if you were in her position? So Michelle, first with, with you, what do you, what do you think are the top three things that are kind of kicking your butt right now? Sure. I, I you know, the top thing is it feels like the stupidest one to me because I feel like um, I just can't get over the hurdle of finding a name that is ringing right for me, <laughs> for any of my practice. You know, um, right now I'm just Michelle Wright acupuncture and, and that's fine, but, um, but I'm stuck on it. Um, aside from that, um, I would say dealing with insurance. I have been a cash practice for the last nine years. Um, I know that there's big changes coming down the pike with Medicare starting to cover. Um, I do have a, a fairly large geriatric uh, patient base. Uh, mm. You know, so I'm, I'm, you know, I've, every year I've kind of toyed with that. Well, should I start playing the insurance game or, or I really hate insurance. I don't want to do it. <laughs> so I'm in that kind of cycle again. Um, in thinking in now with the, the chiropractor coming in who does take insurance, um, I'm going to be getting the question a lot more, you know, I've always, mm, yeah, yeah, you will. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm feeling like it's probably time to that I need to get into the game, and that that kind of terrifies me. Um, and then mm. I, the third one would be um, just my comfort level in approaching potential referral bases. I don't, um, you know, reaching out to the 
local doctors are weird. (laughs) You know, know, the local doctor treated my father and it wasn't a really good experience. And, you you know, I mean, small towns are are rough in that way. Can Um, be, yeah. You know, I did not have a good relationship with with the local doctor in my hometown um, here it's much different. There's a, there's a bigger practice who does send me people on a, on a somewhat regular basis. Um, but my own, like getting up and, and reaching out to them and, um, saying that, you know, I'm here and and send me your people and this is what I can do. Um, I guess that would be the other hurdle that I have. Okay. Ryan, what do you think? Well, first of all, um, <clears throat> I think it's awesome where you are at the moment, just being that you just kind of feel like you've started back in, mm-hmm. you've moved, and you're, you know, you're seeing 25 to 35 people, people a week, and you're getting physician referrals in a small town. So first of all, I just want to say that's pretty fantastic. And as a starting point, you know, like if we talk, if we polled most acupuncturists that are out there and they got an opportunity to swap places with you, I think they would do it in a heartbeat, you know, so that speaks to what you're able to do in a very short period of time. Um, and so first, I just want to say freaking great job. <laughs> so um, that's the first thing. Um, you know, I think that there's those are three uh, really interesting issues. So you, you kind of went across the board to three very different aspects of mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that I find really interesting because what it speaks to is that we're, and this is, this is all of us, right? I mean, I speak to people about this who have much bigger businesses than I have. Where do you go next? How do you sequence these things? What's the right order? What's how do you prioritize and um, and what is really important? And so, what that really comes down to is what's the vision for your practice. So that's the first thing we actually have to talk about if we're going to get into those three things that you brought up before, because we need to know what is it that you're actually looking to accomplish, and then we can kind of tailor the answer to that vision. Because if we do it the other way around, we're kind of just guessing. You know what I mean? It's like doing a treatment where you treat a patient because they have back pain, but you haven't really, you haven't really gotten the full picture. And what you find out is that their back pain is due to, you know, some massive adrenal insufficiency, and it's not really due to there being some musculoskeletal issue primary, right? So, so this is one of the things that I think when we talk about practice management is really important. So that would be my first question for you, kind of to, just before we get into those three things, which is what do you want your practice to look like at least in the next phase? Do you want to be at, you know, you're at 25 to 35 patients a week now, are you looking for that to become a certain number or looking to um, expand into this multidisciplinary clinic and have some other managerial role? What are you trying to do in the community? Where, where are you with kind of that first? And then let's dig into some of the other details. Okay. Um, I, I guess the short answer is I'm pretty scattered about it. Um, you know, yeah. like I- like it was really clear when I was doing my my little dream, and that happened so quickly. So to to go into the bigger, the bigger long term thing is is not as clear for me. Um, 
I, you know, I definitely want to see, I need to make more money. So, <laughs> so I want to see, mm -hmm. more. you know, I'd, I feel like for me personally, if I could get to that, like 50 person a week, 50 treatment a week, like that would probably be all I could physically and mentally handle myself. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would love at some point to hire people, you know, have another, bring on another acupuncturist or, um, and have a set, have a front office staff that, so I, I mean, cause I do everything. I'm a one man show right now and, and it does take an exorbitant amount of time, um, for not quite the payout that I'm looking for. I'm even, even looking at potentially changing how I even my fee schedule in, in, in the past, I've, I've done a little bit of a hybrid of a community clinic um, one day a week and then saw patients privately the rest of the week. And a lot of my patients from, from Naples are missing that. And so I'm, I'm getting questions about that because I stopped that when I moved to the, the community clinic. So I'm looking for a way to kind of be able to address. It, it, it is a low income area here where I am by and large. Um, I would say that there's not a lot of jobs in this area. People are, um, even though it's a bigger town, it's, it's a, it's a less, um, wealthy town. So mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, that's part of also why I'm looking into the insurance more because, you know, a lot of these people do have some sort of insurance. So if, if that makes me more accessible to them, then I need to somehow accommodate that. Okay, great, 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 great. So, so basically, the next phase of of so so this is this is really good because with the vision, you don't have to you don't have to know the whole thing. You don't have to know your twenty year plan, right? That's even kind of ridiculous because so much changes <laughs> so fast in today's world. You just have to know where you want to go next, right? What's your next step? And so your next step is, I want to get to fifty patients a week. That's, that's the next step. That's all we have to define, right? That's our next goal. And so because that's your next goal, all the other ancillary stuff that's going on, like, you know, that's all I think I can handle mentally and physically. Um, and then I'm going to have to hire people. Then I'm not sure. Just forget about all that. Just say, okay, my next step is I'm, I'm going to get to 50 people because the truth of the matter is you could get to 50 and then you could figure out plenty of systems to help you go up into go beyond that if you want to um, without hiring associates, you know? So if you want to do that, do more personally, there's a way to do that. If you want to do less personally and you want to be, go into more of a managerial role, you can hire associates. And so I think, I think this is just one of those things where, again, you know, I don't want to make this like too broad, but I think we all as individual practitioners have to be really clear about, where do I want to go next? And what's really possible? You know, what's really possible for us in this field? And we tend to undervalue not only what we do as a profession, but what our capabilities are as individuals. And, you know, you've been doing, I mean, you've done amazing work working for the state organization. You have built a practice as doing everything yourself up to 25 to 35 people and moved and moved and gone to a different town. And, you know, th these are not, these are, you know, we kind of constantly put ourselves into this um, kind of state of lack. And, and I, I think that you are, you know, probably way more powerful than you think you are. And so that's just one thing to kind of keep in the picture here, because once you, once you get to that 50 person point, 
you could have an assistant and not an associate and probably get to 70 pretty easily and probably work less hard. You know what I mean? So, so those are things just to kind of put in the picture. So, okay, so we want to go from 25 to 35 up to 50. Okay, got it. So then let's kind of, let's go back to your original thing. So, um, so one was you want to make sure that you feel like there's a name behind your brand that really speaks to what you, who you are. And that was the, that was the first thing you said. The second thing that you said was, um, uh, I, I can't remember if it was the second or third thing you said was, do I take insurance or don't I take insurance? Yes. And then, right. And then the third, and then the third thing that you said was become, was a referral source. Like what's, what's right. a good, um, referral source. And so, um, so I would, I would, uh, ask you a couple questions again, before we go into those three things that I have to guess, make sure I'm clear about okay. what are, so when you, your average patient, how many visits do they come for? Do you know the answer to that? Um, I don't know the answer. I, I would say, uh, I, I would say I definitely have everybody for at least six to 12 visits. Um, mm-hmm. I've got lots who come are very loyal patients that have been coming to me for years. You know, a lot that come once a month, a lot that come, you know, once a week, even <laughs> that just have, have yeah. acupuncture and keep coming. Um, but I don't have that statistic now, as far as uh, I, I've never actually really looked at the numbers of my, like how, how many times on average they come. Okay, good. So, so, um, those are those are good things to start to do, just to say it, uh, you know. And but it sounds like if what you're saying is accurate, you're doing a really good job because um, uh, the only real big study on this was done about 10 years ago. Uh, NIH did a study uh, about um, average acupuncture. There were there were okay, so there's about 20,000 acupuncturists in the United States. And there are, at least at that point, there were 14 million individuals that came in for acupuncture in the United States, which is a really good ratio, right? If you take 20,000 and then you say there's 14 million, you know, (laughs) patients, even though that's not a big portion of the population, that's a huge, that's a huge benefit, you know, that's incredible for the field of acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And then when we... When they dug in, you know, when when I started digging into this study a little bit more, one of the things that I saw that became really concerning was that essentially um, uh, uh, almost 70% of those people came less than five times to to the acupuncturist. So if 30% of the people come, you know, more than five times, and and that... uh, even worse, okay, so 15% came 10 or more times. So if most of what we see as acupuncturists are chronic conditions, and 85% of the patients we see don't even come 10 times, what is the likelihood that we're actually going to be successful in our treatment strategy? Not super high. And so we're going to lose a lot of value because not because we don't have a, 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 a an incredible tool, but because people aren't understanding what it takes to utilize it, right? So, 
So the first thing that I would say, yeah, I would yeah, say go for it. That's a weakness of mine. Like I, I really don't know how to explain expectations to patients, you know, like, like, you know, really you, you've had this stenosis for how many years, you know, you're going to have to come a lot <laughs> you know, and, and, and get them yep. to do that. You know, um, I do stumble through that kind of conversation. So I think that could be easily, easily addressed. Um, there are a lot of people that have really good ways of explaining it and coming up with treatment plans and setting expectations with uh, review of findings or like uh, reevaluation. So you come in and once you get it down and just repeat it, it'll be, you know, it'll be, it'll be easy. Right. So, so what have you done, Josh, have you done something specific in that department to, for, you know, to, to, to expand there or like, yeah. what's been, yeah. Go yeah. What it. I did, what I did and you know, you're always changing. So it's not necessarily what I would do mm-hmm. now. Um, but what I would do is I'd say, I need, I need three visits to see how you respond and then we'll come up with a treatment plan. And it was very matter of fact, Mm -hmm. there was, there was no, well, no, if you're going to do this three visits, we'll see how you respond and the percentage of change that has occurred. We can come up then with a treatment plan with my expectations and we'll check in with you at the end of, you know, if it's two times a week for four weeks, we're going to, we're going to sit down we're going to check in and see where you're at. I would say pretty much like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was, the response was, oh, okay. Okay. You mm-hmm. know? And the, the compliance was way up and, you know, sure enough, three visits came in with you. I'm a 60% better. Okay. Here's where I expect you to be after three more weeks, four more weeks at twice a week, say, or whatever. They want to know what's going on. They want to know that there is an end point or that there's at least a check-in point where, okay, yeah. I'm, we're going to be talking about this again. There are so many patients who have come in to see me, and I'm not in a huge city, but it's not, you know, it's not a small town either, who's, you know, who had gone to other acupuncturists, and they said, I was like, so what were they doing? Well, you know, they, I just would come in, and they would do this. And I was like, how long? Eight months. I had one patient stands out. She was going for eight months for back pain with the same treatment. And I was like, well, did mm-hmm. they? And, you know, upon further questioning, it turned out with her and all these other patients, there were never any expectations. There was never mm-hmm. any discussion like, hey, you're not getting better. I'm referring you out. Or, hey, they want to know that you're, that you're managing or helping with their care. And I would tell people too, oh, yeah, you know, you're not responding that well. We're going to do this. If not, I'm going to, you know, come up with a different plan. We'll refer you out. They want to know that they have a, that there's a plan and they're going somewhere. So that's what I would do. I would, I would, and I know other people that have done that too, where it's like, come in for X number of visits. We'll see how you respond. And then I have a treatment plan for you. Most people that makes sense to them. Yep. Yeah. And this is why I think this is such an important conversation. So this is, thank you for sharing that because the, you know, what your, your strategy is, is a really popular one and it's a good one. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I'm, that that I'm kind of harping on this piece of this, Michelle, before we kind of, you know, even though it's not specifically related to the three things that you said, because this is, yeah, look, look, this is, this is the most important piece in my opinion. When you look at the numbers and you say 85% of the patients that we see don't come, it come less than 10 times. And the majority of the conditions that we treat are, are chronic conditions. Mm-hmm. There's a big disconnect in communication to the patient. 
that's the biggest problem in practice management in, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. And so the biggest problem in practice management is not technique. It's not marketing. It's not getting new patients. It's retaining patients because they don't understand the, the they don't have clear expectations. Just like any communication that we want, we want to do, you know, like with your partner, your kids, your, you know, your friends, you want to know kind of where you stand and what's the expectation of any particular, any engagement, any relationship. And this is so important. It's so, it's so high on the, on the list that almost everybody that I talk to about practice management, this is the first thing I ask them. And it's the first, and, and it's clear that there's not a, almost never a real plan around it. Right. So, so I'm, I'm with you, Josh. And I think Michelle, I think you probably with a couple of small tweaks would be amazing at this because you've been talking to people for 10 years on the state board. So this is just about kind of refining, you know, just exactly what Josh said, which is what is it that you really want to communicate? So, um, and picking a strategy and sticking with it for a while. So just Josh's is one, three sessions, then we're going to see how you're responding. Then we're going to reevaluate then you need to know in your head, what's your next plan before you even get to the three sessions. My next plan is if they're responding really quickly, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend, you know, roughly X number of sessions, and then you can tinker and modify based on their condition. If they're responding, okay, you know, a little bit of response and then, you know, the pain comes back or the, you know, they, they get a few hours of relief, a day of relief, something like that. Then, I'm going to do a, a, a little bit of a longer plan or a more, you know, with a little more frequency. And if they're not responding at all, then what am I going to do? Right. So, so you want to have basically a three step. If you're going to follow Josh's plan, you do, you do three steps. Does yeah. that make sense? And, and Ryan, and, and before I don't, not to interrupt you, but before I forget, because uh, I don't remember as well anymore, but <laughs> the <laughs> other thing is, is that patients like, when you communicate these things, even if you say, hey, this, what I'm doing now, if this doesn't work, I have other options, but we're uh, not going absolutely. to throw the book at you. So they're like, oh, he's got a lot more in his toolbox or her toolbox, a lot more in, in their repertoire, so to speak. Okay, yeah. so they know that, hey, if I don't respond, it's okay. He's got other plans for me and he can't do everything. Yeah. I can't do everything at once. So that's another thing that I would communicate as well, especially on those really tough cases where you're like, mm, you know, I know that this could be tough and I'm going to, I'm going to go at it with what I believe to be the best, most effective tools that I have. But if it doesn't work, we're going to reevaluate. And, uh, and I know other people do it differently. I know Anthony says his, his plans are pretty much two to three, or two times a week for th- uh, three to four weeks with a re- with a re-evaluation. Yep. But as long as you're setting that expectation, like you said, I-, I think it's all good. Yep, exactly right. Exactly right. Does that does that make sense, Michelle? It does make sense. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a yeah because I need to practice. <laughs> I, and I I uh, yeah, I think in the end it comes down to a level of confidence too. Well, Michelle, if you can yeah. even just you know have that come across because yeah. with all the skills you have with all like you're you're so involved with a lot um of of different uh, uh groups and you're involved you know you're in the group i mean you're you're always up on on top of uh, education you know so that's not a problem you should be confident mm-hmm. it's just a matter of trans so i'd have a patient that would say oh so uh you know do i have to come in wednesday you know it'd be monday and say i wanted to see them twice a week 
And I would tell them, don't, don't bother if you're not going to follow the treatment plan. And I'm not trying to be a, a jerk, right, right. but you know, oh, so Friday? Yes. Like there's no, there's no fudge. There's no, there's no like fudging it. There's no wiggle room. You have to stick to this. It's only fair to the patient and it's only fair to our field. Like Ryan had said, right. you know, with that study, people are not getting to really benefit from acupuncture and they're leaving before they even get a chance to. So you might look at it and go, not you, Michelle, or, or, or yeah. you, Ryan, but one might look at it and go, oh, well, now you're just trying to get your patient numbers up or your patient visits up, you know, so that, which you will, you know, you'll have 25, 35 visits. As you get new patients, you'll have more patient visits a week because people will be coming longer. It's the right thing to do for them. Right. So they actually right. get better. It's not, it's not a game. This is the responsible thing to do. Like Ryan said too, I mean, and we all know this, a lot of people have really long chronic, long-standing issues that were being seen as the last resort. We are not, and, no, and nor do we have to be miracle workers. Right. So. Yep. So this yeah. is, so, so you just touched on, you just touched on the second most important thing, you know, going back to your original question, which is like, what are the three most important things for Michelle, and then would, as a response, kind of where, what are the three most important things kind of um, to focus on? I think that you just touched on it, which is, which is confidence in the, confidence in what we're doing. So uh, I'm going to jump there in a second, but I want to make sure we tie up the, the, first, the first piece, which is the most important by far which is, which is the, this treatment planning piece. So you want to have, you know, you want to start, and, and this can change over time, right? But I want to give everybody who's listening a couple of options. So one option is what Josh said, which is a very common one in the field, which is three sessions. I'm going to reevaluate you based on how you're responding, and then we're going to have a treatment plan. Boom. Good, you know, really good. Um, that's one option. A second option is, you just spoke to what Anthony does, which is also a good option, which is very similar to what I do, which is twice a week, twice a week for, um, you know, three, let's say three to six weeks. Okay. Depending on the condition, depending on how long it's going on. It's very rare that I give a treatment plan that is uh, less than 10 sessions as a starting point. I usually start people at, you know, at 10, 15, 20, or 30 based on the condition. And then I just don't, I don't, I don't even mess around with a reevaluation until we get to the 10 session point. But that's just not, that's not how I started, right? I started just like everybody else did out of school, you know, come once a week and we'll see how it goes. And then, you know, people just disappear because it's not really helping. You don't have enough frequency to make a difference in that person's life. If you're treating chronic Lyme's disease once a week for a month, what are the chances that they're going to really feel any difference, right? So that's, a, that's another option. First option, three sessions, reevaluate, come up with a treatment plan. Second option, longer, longer stint. We're going, to, we're going to see you 10 times and then we're going to reevaluate, right? Third option is to actually start to bundle full treatment plans together. So you start seeing somebody, and this kind of comes over time, once you get really confident and comfortable with what you're treating, which is to say, you know, okay, um, that fertility, you know, fertility patient, we're going to treat you for the next six months and it's going to be, you know, all your herbs are going to be included and 
your this is how many sessions we're going to lay out and your bundle is going to be a you know $3500 or it's $4000 whatever however you kind of work that out so that but i i think the other two options are better at the beginning which is three sessions and then reevaluate and then come up with the next plan or we're going to see you 10 times this is the this is a strategy and then we're going to reduce frequency based on you improving if you if you're improving we're going to we're going to reduce and if you're not then we're going to keep going um so that so i just want to kind of tie that in real quick and then um like you said josh you have to get results right you have you want to see you want the patient wants to know that you're getting results mm-hmm. you want to get results and you want to be really upfront that if you're not getting results, you're going to change a strategy. And if you tr- have tried and you've done your your 15 session plan and you're really not getting anywhere, you're not going to tell the patient just to keep coming for another eight months because in 15 sessions you should at least be seeing some 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 benefit, some some results. So I've had got to get results. Yeah, I've had referrals from patients who didn't get better because they appreciated it so much that I didn't string them along. Right. Yes. Absolutely. So that happens. Too. Absolutely. They appreciate it. No, I think I'm I'm sort of like halfway there. I do, I do have treatment packages already in place. You know, I've got, uh, mm-hmm. um, but, it, but it has been more, I've approached it as more of, this is a way to get a discount. <laughs> yes, um, right. As, as in, instead of this, you know, you need this number of treatments in order to um, to feel, to really feel better. Uh, but seeing how I approach that. It's an interesting thing, right? Because it's the same thing. It doesn't matter. It, you're, you're still probably going to give somebody a discount if they prepay for 15 or 20 sessions, let's say, right? You're, you're still going to do something for them, but that's not the point. The point is that this is what they need to, this is what you really need from a medical care standpoint. And this is, this is the confidence piece. This is kind of like the big leap for our field in moving from, you know, spa mentality to, um, to medical mentality. That's, that's what I tend to call it when I talk about confidence is, do we want to be, do we want to be medical practitioners or do we want to be people that help people feel good? And both are true. It's just a matter of which one's primary. Yeah, right? and def- absolutely. And before the next segment of this, the next part of this podcast, which I really want to get into, and Michelle is well aware of the policy and the changes going on in the in the field. I'm sure you have your pul- your your finger on the pulse, Michelle, with the field. Yeah. So I want to talk more broadly about some of these things. But Ryan, what do you think about taking insurance and the name? Maybe we can come up with a name yeah. right now for Michelle. We can just, and then. <laughs> yeah. She's made Let's do it. You know, the neat thing is so, like, it, it, it's become kind of the joke in my family because I, and I don't know if it's just like my mental block of not wanting to move forward because I'm afraid. So I, I'm going to hang up on a, something stupid like a name, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> it really has been a hurdle. It's been very frustrating. <laughs> well, you said something really interesting before we move on. Um, that you know, you kind of got to this point. And you were really quick, and then you weren't really ready for the. Okay, now what? Yeah, which is which is pretty cool. But anyway, I, I, I'll we'll go on. What do you think, Ryan? It's very cool. It's very cool. And and you, you're 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 so kind of like astute about <laughs> you know 
what what's going on in your your subconscious becoming conscious of taking something that's small and making it a a, a block you know it's like we i mean we do we all do this right this is so it's so oh, universal yeah. i mean i can totally relate to this i'm doing it I, in, in my own way i'm like laughing inside because i'm doing it in, in my own way in my own clinic at the moment and so i i can totally relate to what you're doing and in the end, it's not it's not going to matter that much, right? So so we do want to, you know, you want to feel like you're behind it, but we we got to pick that and go because they, these are the things that we just get hung up on, exactly like you said. So so some of this comes down to where you want to see your practice go, and again, it's just going to be kind of like what's what's next. But um, what have you come up with so far? Like, what have you been bouncing around so far that you've been like, eh, I don't know. I kind of like it, but I, I don't know if I love it. Right. So, um, I, I'm in Dansville, so there's just Dansville acupuncture. Um, I don't love it. Dansville actually, as much as I love the town here, it, it doesn't have a great reputation. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's still- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> crap. They're like, like redneck. So <laughs> <laughs> that's it's all so, it's all good. It's good. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. I like Genesee Valley. I used to be Naples Valley. It's just a one word switch. The problem with it is that there's a town very close by Geneseo. That uh, there's already a Geneseo acupuncture. I don't want it to be confusing. Um, I thought of something really cliche, like Meridian's acupuncture, you know, um, just to, because I like it, but, (laughs) um, but nobody knows what I'm talking about. And then patient wise, anyway, um, Mm -hmm. I have a logo that I have always loved, um, from Naples. It's a, it's a heron with a yin yang sign on it. Nothing really fits with the logo. I've, I'm willing to get rid of the logo, but, (laughs) but yeah, I mean like my branding piece doesn't quite nothing, nothing's meshing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, like center point, but then I hear, Oh, you shouldn't use something pointy in your name or. (laughs) Hmm. I'll tell you my, I'll tell you my opinion on all this. And, and this may be just like, uh, Again, because this isn't really, um, I, I think branding is, is really important, but more from a consistency and uh, a consistency around town standpoint than it is for um, like the, the, the cute aspect of it and the artistic aspect of it. That's just my bias. You know, my bias is just frequency and consistency is the most important thing when it comes to your brand. And also the other thing. And it's interesting that you said like Danville acupuncture, but then it doesn't have a good reputation because it's kind of like a rednecky town. Again, same, similar situation. You know, I'm in kind of a rednecky town. And so I I totally hear that. Mm -hmm. And the question is, are you, does that matter? I mean, can, can you relate to that aspect of the town and can you embrace it? And if so, who the hell cares what the reputation is locally? Because your your demographic, target demographic, is going to be coming from most likely about a ten mile radius. And it's so, probably it, going to be coming from a bigger radius than that. I mean, there's not another acupuncturist with, within twenty miles of me. Um, got it. Got it. even you know, better. 
I mean, I draw, like when I was in Naples, I was drawing from this community here in Dansville. Um, you know, there, there's probably four towns around me that I, that I do draw from. So. So, so what's the four town, what's the, what is the, uh, the, the area then, the region called, did you say? Oh, there's, well, there's Genesee Valley and then, and, okay. and the Genesee Valley Penny Saver next door and the Genesee Valley, I mean, it's a very common name for a lot of businesses. Um, mm -hmm. There, it's also part, I'm at the very corner of the Southern Tier, um, which is already taken as an acupuncture name down in Binghamton somewhere. Um, there, I mean, I, I'm literally like my town crosses three different county lines. Um, so there's, uh, there, there's kind of that aspect to it. Um, the big medical, um, practice here is Tri-County Medical. <laughs> so that, uh -huh. you know, that, that's already taken. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's a beautiful area. I mean, I've got streams and woodlands and, you know, foothills and everything all around me. It's, it's a, just a beautiful, beautiful area. Um, so what's wrong with Genesee Valley? So I like, Gen I like Genesee Valley, and I, the, the problems that I see with it is it's kind of overused. I mean, Genesee Valley, everything is in this area. Um, down to the newspaper and the, the real estate office and the um, there's just a, it's a, it's a very common name. Um, and then the, the proximity with the town of Geneseo, um, which is about 25 miles away, um, there's a Geneseo acupuncture. So I just didn't know if I was too close for that to be awkward. I, I don't think so. I think that you're, you're probably, you know, I think there's a couple of things to point to in this. I, I get what you're saying about it being kind of like an overused name, but it may also connect you to the, to the location in mm -hmm. a way that makes, you know, that, that, that lets people know, hey, I'm here to stay because I'm part of this, this, um, this common commonality. You know what I mean? You've got the real estate, you've got the bank, you've got the post office, and you've got this acupuncturist. And you know what I mean? So if you're planning to stay in that area for a while, I lo I like personally the the idea of keeping something in that in the um in the region in in the name because I think it connects you to your local community especially in a more rural area so that's that's one so I don't think it's too close to the the other place even though it has a similar name I I think the last thing you probably need to worry about is people getting confused and going from one place to the net to the other the more people that you can get involved and in, and in, to become acupuncture patients, the better. So I, I tend not to worry so much about that kind of a thing. Um, if you think that you're planning to expand this integrative component and you think that that's going to be something that could be something, you know, either you may move out of the area or you may include more of that integrative component, then that's also an option. You could, you could say acupuncture integrative, you know, acupuncture integrative health acupuncture integrative associate you know but i would put the name i would definitely put the name um acupuncture in in your branding um i didn't do that and i regret it you know but now we're kind of too, too all in to to worry about it so um and it, it hasn't really affected us and I, I don't love our name we picked it 
you know, when we, before we knew anything about branding either. And ultimately it just comes down to the frequency that people see it and what they associate that with and the quality that they associate that with. So I think your two best options are to either go with the Genesee Valley or to go with something a little more generic if you think you're going to expand it, but that has acupuncture in the name so that you can let people know this is a health clinic, acupuncture integrative health, acupuncture integrative medicine, um, acupuncture health, you know, acupuncture health of Genesee Valley, you know, um, acupuncture integrative medicine of Genesee Valley. I mean, then it starts to get a little too long, but um, those would be the two, the two ways I would go, even though it's not like super sexy. All right. Well, I, I think I like Genesee Valley acupuncture. And again, I like it too, because it, it's just changed. I, I used to be Naples Valley acupuncture. So it's mm. like, I'm, it's close to what I, what people already know me as, and I can keep my hair and logo. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. I mean, that's, I think that's it. I think, you know, you know, they keep it simple. Keep it so that people recognize it. You want people to feel like you're part of the community. You're in a small community. You want people to feel like, hey, I'm part of Genesee Valley. I've lived here my whole life. And this acupuncture, this is Genesee Valley acupuncture. There's, a, there's an immediate heart connection there. You know, there's, some, there's something about small towns and the community base of that that you cannot beat when it comes to um, branding and connection. You know, so I, I totally, I think that's the way to go. Okay. Great. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. And I wanted to t- touch base quick uh, with, well, not touch. I want to touch base Insurance. with you, Ryan. We've already touched base, but I want to touch base. No, I want to go on to um, to talk about the profession at large, the, prof- the, 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 the bigger picture, the changes that we've been seeing. Somebody had a, you mentioned this too, and we're, well, you didn't mention this exactly, but we were talking about this before the podcast. And, but I did see a post as well recently on one of the groups and uh you know there are more job opportunities there are policy issues going on in the field we hope to get more coverage um it looks like massachusetts got i think excellus in massachusetts is covering acupuncture now um amy major did a lot of work on that as long as as well as the uh society point is is what i wanted to talk about ryan and and, and michelle too um the field as a whole a lot of changes going on. One of the things that, mm-hmm. uh, that we're doing at CMPW that we're trying to really uh, approach this is to get around these other issues about scope infringement. Um, nurses inevitably will have acupuncture, not dry needling, acupuncture in their license. This could really affect a lot of people. We could talk about all the bad stuff, all the negative stuff. We've also had some wins. There are a lot of people doing a lot of great work. But we, we're going to ultimately, at the end of the day, have to figure out how to make this work for us. And, mm-hmm. and so one of the things that we're, again, going back to specializing, uh, that's what, something that we're kind of uh, focusing on at CMTW. It's just one of many options, but mm-hmm. specializing will help set you apart, help you find your, your uh, niche and things like that. What, what, where are you at with the field, Ryan? And what do you see as a big, a, a big uh, or, or an important uh, topic in the field that has to be addressed? I, you know, I think that, you know, what you're talking about is definitely important. You know, specialization is, is definitely a way to separate, um, separate yourself. And it also gives an, a good focus 
when you are trying to evolve your technique as a practitioner because there's so many options uh, as far as learning goes and as far as, you know, we all get out of school and then you get into the real world and you realize, hey, there's, holy smokes, I don't even know how to start with this patient, right? And so, um, so I think, you know, the traditional model that, that most people don't realize because everybody's a generalist in, in the acupuncture world, including me and my clinic for the most part. Um, but what po- people don't tend to realize is that traditionally acupuncture started as specialists and then they became generalists at, at the end of their career. And so the idea was the opposite of what we do in the U.S., which is you become a specialist and then as you switch from one specialty to the next, you build a broad enough base of knowledge where you can see where the crossing happens and then you can become more generalist as you get later in your career because you've had the experience as, you know, three years really focusing on, you know, pain management and three years really focusing on, you know, OB, you know, OBGYN. And so that's just kind of an interesting historical framework for Chinese medicine in as a whole. So I do think that specialization is a, is a good thing. Plus it's, connects people to the Western mentality um, around some of this. I, I think that the, the other thing for, for me that's close to my heart, of course, having a clinic where we employ people and where we have, you know, systems in place and where we're constantly trying to upgrade them and get to the next level and figure out, okay, how do we get more efficient? How do we, you know, use software? How do we not? Um, where is the human connection necessary? Where is it not? Uh, you know, Having more job opportunities, just like you said, there's more and more opportunities available now, but you often have to travel for them. You know, just, you know, you're not going to find one in every town. So there are 20,000 acupuncturists right now in the U.S., give or take, you know, you know statistics hard to know exactly. There are roughly 70,000 chiropractors in the U.S., and there's roughly 200,000 physical therapists. So if you are in a healthcare field and you, you're, you know, trying to figure out where you want to go and you see there's close to 200,000 jobs in physical therapy and there are, you know, 200 jobs in acupuncture, you know, or 2,000 even, you know, there's an easy choice if you're worried about, you know, um, if you're worried about getting a job out of school. What happens with acupuncture, at least what, I, what what seems to me from talking to people in the field, is that we've all gone to school, we've all been kind of trained because we cared about it, because we cared about people, because we care about a holistic perspective, because we want people to have a different way of the, of healthcare. We want people to we want it, we want to have an impact on the healthcare system in a positive way. It's it's a it's really coming from a a, a real place of of heart felt um, uh, care. And so, you know, and so when we go to school, then we realize that, oh, there really aren't that many options when I graduate outside of doing exactly what you said, Michelle, exactly what I did, exactly what you did, Josh, which is hang up a shingle and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so, and so, you know, the, the challenge with that is that we aren't we aren't trained in business. We aren't small business owners, and there's a select handful of of people who just happen to have a knack for it or have the drive to figure it out. But you have to run two jobs at that point. And what really got you into the field 
was care for the health of human beings and care for the, the healthcare system and care for a holistic perspective. It's not, you know, bookkeeping and marketing and sales and, you know, all of the things and hiring and all the things that go with, with running a business. So the, the, the benefit, the good thing is that the people who are interested in that can have a huge upside, you know, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot to get to that point. So my feeling that in the field, as we talk about practice management, is that what we really need is more people to step up to uh, expanding their clinics because who, who have successful clinics and can really see the upside in that. And there are more people who come out of school and that we, we train people and we start to influence the way that people are thinking about this so that there are more people that are interested and, and um, excited about becoming employees in the field. And these are a bunch of, there's a bunch of coinciding pieces that have to happen for this to work right, you know. But what we need to keep reminding ourselves is that every other field, especially, you know, in the medical profession, has job opportunities when people come out of school. There's very few that don't where you're expected to go out and start your own business. And for some reason, we've created this, this kind of, you know, difficult situation where people come out of school thinking they have to start their own business. And then the expectations are super, you know, warped as to if I was going to go to work for somebody else, then I should, I deserve some kind of, a kind of a ridiculous, there's ridiculous expectations out there. Mm -hmm, yeah. And then on the flip side, you have, you have business owners who say, well, if, it, if it's going to make sense for people to come work for me, then, um, you know, we, now we created a ridiculous expectation on the back end and, you know, $15 an hour and, you know, and that's it. And so what we need to do is to come together as a community and say, Hey, if I'm going to, if I'm going to employ people, uh, part of my responsibility is to help them evolve as a practitioner, and it's okay if they're not the greatest practitioner right off the bat. This is just my bias. This is my, my opinion on it. Um, but we need to have a system in place to help them get there. And, and people who are getting, going, in, going to work for somebody need to recognize that they're getting a huge benefit by going to work for people who have already been successful. And mm. it's going to speed their development up as a practitioner by 10, five to 10 years easy, just by being in the, in the space where they're, they're seeing it modeled how to go from one treatment room to two treatment rooms to three treatment rooms to four treatment rooms and not sacrifice quality of care. Well, and this is one of the things, Ryan, that uh, Michelle knows, I'm sure you know Michelle very well, is what's been going on at the national level as well as the state level, but especially the national level with trying to get acupuncture accepted. There are a lot of people who don't necessarily want or care to work in a hospital or I don't want to work for mm -hmm. the DOD or the VA or whatever. Okay. But these are really good opportunities. I mean, there was a, somebody mentioning that the DOD was hiring and it started at the low 60s and it maxed out at 81. Right. Um, mm -hmm. That's pretty damn good, especially if it has benefits. Um, I don't know if they, there yeah. are positions that do. I know. Benefits. I actually, when, when, when Callie mentioned that, I actually looked it up online and saw that it was full. <laughs> <laughs> but these are great opportunities. Mm -hmm. We're, and, yeah. and so, yeah. but we can't, while these policy 
battles are going back and forth and you know and we're all fighting for the acceptance of licensed acupuncturists at that level um we i think the right thing to do is even if we don't have a personal stake or interest in it is to support it because it supports jobs the other side of that is more successful clinics uh that can hire so licensed acupuncturists yep. can work for other licensed acupuncturists as well. These are really great opportunities. And we're, I mean, do you, do either of you see more job opportunities in this field in general now compared to just a few it, years ago? There's more opportunities for sure than there were a few years ago. And this is a very, very good thing. And we should 100% support every job opportunity at this point in in the in uh in the development of the profession i i there's lots of pitfalls right there's lots of opportunities for things to go wrong and you know what there's lots of private physical therapy clinics and there's lots of physical therapy jobs in hospitals and there's mm -hmm. still there's still lots of there's lots of successful average physical therapist is currently making about 85,000 a year so you know there's Lots mm. of opportunities, um, and we should be supporting growth of uh, job opportunities in our profession in general. Because how? What's the percentage of small businesses that fail? Yeah. <laughs> 80, 80, 90, 95. 95 percent of small businesses fail within five years. Yeah, ninety-five percent. So when you look at the statistics, my school was the school that was written up last year. And uh, <laughs> in the uh, like the, that whole thing that came out, right? Yeah, the whole thing yeah. that came out with the oh my gosh, the lopsided you know, the, uh, the student debt to income ratio. Yes, that was yeah. that was my school. So um, so I you know I have this is close to my heart, and you know and you know I, I got out of that school with a good foundation, and nobody gets out of school with a perfect. You know we, we all have to study after school because there's just too much to learn and however many thousand years of history this actually is to really feel confident. But, but the truth of the matter is that um, there's a, that, that failure has to do more with the fact that there are no jobs than it does to do with the training from the, of the, from the school. That's, that's, you can't blame a, a medical school for doctors not getting jobs when the medical school is is there to train doctors in how to be good physicians. Yeah, my, the only this thing my, about this field, I, I, medical doctors have a lot different and, and ex, ex, extensive opportunities. The only thing I would like to see, and even if the schools, the acupuncture schools didn't take it on directly, um, have, have places where they can refer students, have perhaps work with a third party like us, you know, like CMGW, yep. where they farm out some of that education. But the acupuncture field is so unique in, in, and so limited with job opportunities, it would be nice just to see the schools offer a little bit better quality instead of just half-assing it. It's like either offer, don't have the, the, the guy two semesters ahead of me teach a business class, which I had. Because oh, that's a joke. Yeah. Don't yeah, even do sure. that. You know, that's so, there's a point where I definitely agree. There's also an issue yeah. with they could do better. They could care more. They could also have their, the, and this is, I mean, this is maybe off topic, but I mean, Michelle, you know, it's like PCOM's great with this, but a lot of schools don't even get their students involved at, at, with the societies. You oh, know? yeah. 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 
that's yeah. a huge issue. I know PCOM does. Yeah. So congratulations I, to that. I graduated from the Finger Lakes School, which is ending. <laughs> it's yeah. Be more after this after this semester. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was always one of our tasks to go into all the schools and try. And it was like we every year that every semester that we would go in and talk to these students. It was like it was the first time we were there. Nobody knew about Nobody it. Nobody even knew about it. Yeah. So, I, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, how how much can a school do? Well, I right. guess they could do a little bit. Yeah. Better, but I, generally speaking, Ryan, I agree. If I could just speak well to your point. Bit. Oh, what's up, Michelle? Oh, yeah. yeah, just about um, you know needing to support. Yes, there are more job opportunities. Hospitals are starting to get on board, and um, you know it brings up the whole question about whether we're billable and whether we're recognized at the, in the systems so that they can hire us. Um, all those questions come up. Um, I, I feel like I'm in a, in a like this limbo place where I totally get that we need to support. Um, those jobs becoming available and, and being integrated and being into those systems. But I also totally get the fear that so many, I think, individual practitioners have of, um, and I'll just use my situation, you know, here, I'm a one-man show. I'm the only acupuncturist for 30 miles. There is a small hospital here that's affiliated with a bigger hospital up in Rochester. What happens if they hire an acupuncturist in this town? <laughs> you know, and... Mm-hmm. and and, and it's not me. <laughs> oh, well, that's a really good question. That's a really good segue into Michelle. And should you take insurance? Right. Should you, mm-hmm. and maybe sooner than later, hire somebody because you're going to get busy enough. So those are two things I wanted to bring up. One, one's a direct segue into this insurance thing. Ryan, do you think Michelle should take insurance? Michelle, do you, are you worried about it? And if so, about what? I'm terrified of it. Like I, like I, it's like a necessary evil in my head, but I'm terrified of the paperwork. I'm terrified of being audited. I'm terrified of hmm. my notes aren't good enough or, you yeah. know, like it's like, it's, it, it is, uh, it's like the monster under the bed to me. Hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I'm willing to do it if somebody like, even just like why I tried to get in with the VA and, and that was such a process that I feel like God, I've got oh, to yeah. why can't I figure this out, you know? <laughs> that was that was such yeah. a good nine months that the VA was working so well. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. It was the best nine months ever. Um Ryan, what do you what do you think about insurance? I, so, so we take insurance at our, at our office. Um, you know, I did it for kind of some of the similar reasons that Michelle's pointing to, which is being in a, a little bit more rural town and wanting to be able to, for me, it was just about opening up access to teachers and police officers and, you know, uh, farmers and, you know, um, uh, farriers and, you know, professions where they don't make a a ton of money, but they could have insurance that was, that we cover, you know, that we will cover what we do. So it was, and, and also, you know, my, my, I believe that to become mainstream and to become kind of relevant in the conversation we needed to have at that time, this was back in 2006, we needed to have more um, people in our field, more practices in our field that we're taking insurance. So mm-hmm. I don't fault anybody for not doing it because mm-hmm. it is a pain and it is a royal pain in the ass. I mean, or PIA, sorry. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> there's no question. There's no question that it opens up. It, it, redu- it, it uh, reduces the barrier to entry to a lot of people mm-hmm. who would not be able to come in. Otherwise, there's no question about that. To me, that's 
for me, that was the highest value. That was the most important thing, and that's why we did it. Um, over the years, we have done all kinds of different things to try to keep the billing. You know, like you said, Michelle, it, it's a bear. So if you're going to take insurance, then my suggestion would be not to do it before you hire somebody. And the reason, or at the very, you know, and that doesn't mean somebody that necessarily has to work, you know, 40 hours in your clinic. It just means you have to bring in a billing specialist because it, otherwise you will burn out very, very quickly because you're going to get busier and busier and busier and you're going to have more and more back backlog of paperwork. And it's just not your specialty. It's not my specialty. I've That's been taking insurance for almost 15 years, you know. That's why I couldn't pick a name because I like that whole that whole thought process is so overwhelming. <laughs> but you know, it's right. incredible. But, I was gonna say when I had an when I had an employee, what a difference. Oh my god. You can you can work all day long and not even get tired right. because that and well, Ryan, when you say hire a billing specialist, that person can also be an office manager as well. I mean they, they have multiple roles. Right. So let's talk about that for a quick second. Right. So, or, you know, I, you know, however long you want, <laughs> I can talk about it all day. Cause I think it's really a, a valuable conversation. So like with you know, t speaking to Michelle's situation. So first of all, I want to say, if you don't take insurance, you don't have to, and you shouldn't feel obligated to, even though there's, you know, obvious benefits to it. There's also a lot of negatives to it. And so, there's lots of practices that don't take insurance and that are super successful. And you're already seeing 25 to 35 patients a week with no insurance. So you have to really be able to discern where your line is going to be. If you start taking insurance, you're going to get very busy very quickly and you're going to have a lot more, your, your margin is going to be much smaller. So you want to really decide whether that's a value to you or not. So, so just to say that, one option is don't take it and just keep working on building your practice and have a niche and just go the direction of being a cash, cash practice. Because at this point in our development as a profession, you can do that without really, I don't think personally that just because we're going to probably be doing Medicare at some point relatively soon, that that's going to destroy every cash practice. I just don't think it's going to happen that fast. So, um, you know, so that's one thing to, to consider. Then the next thing in regards to the hiring piece, the billing person, as you said, Josh, can totally be an office manager. Mm -hmm. Now, when you go that direction, there, the benefit is exactly what you said. You've got somebody there that can change tables, that can check people out, they can schedule people. It's freaking yeah. awesome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is really yeah. fantastic. Um, and you also have somebody that could call out sick. It's going to maybe want benefits at some point. It's going, you know, so you have to weigh these things. So there's certain, there's certain things that you want to hire at, that you want to outsource to companies where you don't have to worry about a drop-off if somebody quits, somebody gets fired, somebody has a sick, you know, gets really sick and is out of work for a week or two. My opinion on the billing side is that unless you have multiple people in-house, which is the way we do it, then you need to have an exterior and external company do the billing uh, because they're never going to, you're never going to have to worry that it's not going to get done. And the most important thing in any business is cash flow. And if you start having a problem with the speed in which your cash is coming through, it's going to put a lot of strain on your business. So my opinion on that, on that front is that 
uh, billers should be external unless you get big enough that you can have multiple people in-house so that if somebody quits, fires, gets fired, uh, uh, gets sick, you have, a, you have somebody else that can do the job. So where we are in practice is we have two, two people, that, at least two people that can do every position. And that's because I don't want there to be a drop-off if somebody falls into that category. When you're starting, you really have to think bigger, think, think about how you're going to protect yourself. And so I would hire, you know, a biller. If you go in the insurance route, you start with a biller and then you, and then you hire and like, like Josh said, kind of like a office manager assistant that can help with the paperwork, that can change tables, that can schedule, that can check people out so that you don't get burned out seeing, you know, 50 people a week so that you can go up to 70 people a week and make plenty of money and still cover your expenses. Yeah. With no problem at all doing it. And like Ryan, you mentioned too, I mean, you don't, doesn't have to be full time. Right. My employer wasn't full time. There are a lot of people that are looking for part-time jobs. So it's it's actually easier prospect Mm. of hiring anybody. Like there's like, I don't know how to hire somebody with like workers compensation and and, like all the things that go with hiring somebody. That, that's checking. That's another podcast or check out the podcast that we have up. It's, it's, um, with, we had a guest on, she's in Connecticut and she was looking to hire somebody. And we were talking about independent contractor versus employee advantages, disadvantages, and and things like that. We've been Mm -hmm. on for over an hour. Whoa. (laughs) I just, we're just getting started, man. We're just getting started. You know, that's the thing. We, we could, we could talk about this all day. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Joe Rogan goes like two, three hours. Did you see his, his one of his recent ones was three hours or something? Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't, I'm, a, I'm not Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> no, no, this is, this uh, is great. Look, I, I think this, has, I would been, love this to. has been really, this has been really great just to talk to you guys, both of you guys about, you know, uh, just practice development in general in our field, because mm. I think, you know, to your point, Josh, it's like we could go on and on forever about Absolutely. this because there's so much further to go. And what we touched on today, in, you know, in my opinion, is some really important pieces, which is, you know, we touched on basically what's the most important thing currently for a sole proprietor to do, mm-hmm. treatment plan, and, and become confident in what you're actually promoting to your patients. You know, those are the two, by above everything else, those are the two most important things. And then what are the most important things for our field? You know, lots of people have different, you know, opinions on this, but from a practice management standpoint, we need more job opportunities. We need to support those job opportunities. And we need, you know, like you, we need people like Michelle to just decide, you know, do you want to do a solo practice and what are you know, really break down your numbers so that you can see, hey, if I saw this many patients at, and I was the only person here and there was no employees, no, 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 uh, no other associates, et cetera, what's my, you know, where's my break point that I, I really want to be happy? And, you know, or do I want to take on all the things that you are afraid of, which is how do I figure out workers' comp and this and that? And take on that couple of, you know, it's basically a couple of years of going into the fire and just figuring all this stuff out along the way and hiring people to help you, 
you know, you got it. You'll have to bring in people to just help speed up the process and not have to figure it all out on your own. I've had people my entire career who I have gone to sometimes for free and, and a lot of times, you know, for, for a fee to just literally show me what are the next steps? Okay. Here's where I am now. What, what should I do next? Okay. Here's where I am now. What should I do next? Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to figure all this out. If you want to be bigger and you want to take on some of this risk, I think, you know, you just need to, we just all need to think differently about how we get there. And it's not just about figuring it all out ourselves. You can't do it that way. And there are a lot of companies, paychecks has HR services uh, now, and it's a nominal, relatively nominal fee, but they'll get you set up on everything. Oh, employee really? handbook, yep. you know, uh, things to things to pay attention to when you have an employee, legal, uh, you know, um, yeah, legal and policy concerns as far as, you know, like uh, New York state law or whatever state you're in. It's incredible what they have. And their payroll service is not expensive at all. And they file all the forms right. for taxes and give you what you need at the end of the year, and they file it with the government. So paychecks is incredible. Yeah, and there are a lot of, a lot of options these okay. days. I, I was thinking um, I could definitely go on, but this, that last podcast was a few podcasts ago we had with Callie Guymond, mm-hmm. on, and mm-hmm. uh, that was a really popular podcast. But all people were sharing the podcast and going, it's long, but great. And I'm like, damn it. It was like an hour and 15 minutes. And people are like, here's a long podcast, but it's really good. Listen to it. So now I'm paranoid about going over an hour because it's like maybe, maybe we, uh, we lose people along the way. Um, so yeah. I figure, well, it's better to break it up and do more numerous podcasts than maybe a, maybe a long one. Um, <laughs> Sounds but, good. Sounds good. I thank you both for coming I- on. I had a blast having me on. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for being here. Thanks for everything you've done. Thanks Ryan for all the podcasts you've done with us so far. And we hope to have you on again. Oh, absolutely. This was a lot of fun. Michelle, you're doing a fantastic job. Keep it up. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. All the help. Anytime. Stay on the group, stay active on the group. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye guys. This was a Chinese Medicine That Works podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and free and paid content, visit AccuVids.com. And make sure to join our Facebook group. Just search Chinese Medicine That Works. Thank you all for listening.